chapter number three in your Bible with me this morning, Proverbs chapter number three. These are familiar verses that you could probably quote without looking, but we'll turn there uh, to start and we will read them. I want to read them out loud uh, together and work our way into our topic for today and the weeks ahead, Proverbs chapter three and verse number five, as well as verse number six. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let's read those together. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Great verses in the Bible, familiar verses in the Bible, loaded verses in the Bible. Uh, what I see, and we've got an outline there in your notes, follow along with that, is a command. The command is to trust in the Lord. This is a choice and a decision that each of us must make as an act of our will to place our faith, our hope, our confidence, our reliance upon God and His Word and His truth and His person and His promise. Trust in the Lord is the command. In verse number five, we have the extent of the command, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. God wants our wholehearted trust. God does not want our divided attention. I think it's a challenge many times. We trust the Lord to a certain extent, but not to a full extent. And we need to examine our hearts and see if we're trusting God the way that we should. The alternative to the command is at the end of verse number five, lean not unto thine own understanding. When we fail to trust in God, it's because we think we have a better way. When we don't live the way that the Bible says to live, it's because we think that we have a better way to live. We have a tendency to trust our own wisdom more than God's wisdom. We must constantly remind ourselves that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. As high as the heaven is above the earth is the comparison. So if we're not going to trust in God, that means we're trusting something or someone else. Oftentimes it's our own heart. Oftentimes it's our emotions. Oftentimes it's the words of another. The Bible says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. So trust the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. We also have the meaning of the command. In all thy ways acknowledge him. What does it mean to trust God? It just means to listen to him, to pay attention, to believe that what he says is true, what he says is right, that he is our best interest at heart, that things will go well with us if we live the way that he says and follow him and trust in him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Again, this is every aspect of life. We can't uh, compartmentalize our lives into different sections, some of which we give the Lord and some of which we don't know in all thy ways. Acknowledge him. And then we have a promise attached to the command. The promise is, and he shall direct thy paths. And would to God that we would recognize how badly we need his direction. And I would urge you as Young people passing through this stage of life, preparing for the rest of your life, setting the course for the rest of your life, 
that you need to really get a hold of how badly you need God to direct you and give you wisdom to make the right choices and the right decisions and get on the right path that's headed the right direction. And God said, if you will trust him and if you will acknowledge him, he will direct you. Now, I can't tell you how. I can't tell you where. I I can't tell you when. That's why you've got to trust the Lord. But if you trust, he never fails to keep the promises he makes. And he attached this promise to this commandment In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Search your heart this morning. Ask yourself this morning, do I want God's direction in my life? Do I want God's will accomplished in my life? Do I want God's purposes to be fulfilled in my life? Do I want to go the way he wants me to go, do the things he wants me to do, be where he wants me to be? If that is the case, and and, and I hope and I pray and I trust that it is, God will learn to trust the Lord and he promised he would direct you. Now, in the weeks ahead, we're going to break down this passage uh, in more detail. We're going to work our way through the Bible memory list for youth rally that's on the theme of trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, we're going to talk about why we should trust the Lord and how to trust the Lord and what happens when we trust the Lord, the reasons, the results, and all of that. But before we go there this morning, I want to kind of jump ahead into our study of trusting God. What we're going to talk about is something that I, I would otherwise leave for a later lesson, but just this past week really the, the, the past several months, but, but focused in this last week, I personally witnessed, and, and, and most if not all of you are somewhat familiar with, one of the strongest examples that I have ever seen of trusting in the Lord, really in my entire life. And as I thought through some of the things that I've observed and witnessed and experienced just this past week, there were illustrated some very important points related to trusting God, some very powerful points as, as it relates to trusting in the Lord. And that, that fourth verse of "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus' says, "'I'm so glad I learned to trust thee.'" And trusting God is something that I believe you have to learn. And, the, and what I want to ask this morning is, how does one learn to trust in God? What are those lessons? How are they given? How do you learn that? And I've got some Bible verses on it, but I've also got uh, some illustrations uh, to pass along. Uh, this past Tuesday evening, uh, Miss Lauren and I, went over to the Rickenbach's house, and we sat for a few hours with Brother Jeff at the bedside of his dying wife. And many of you know Sister Molly. That's, that's our friend, our sister in Christ. And, and there she lay, unresponsive and, and somewhat struggling for breath and under hospice care and basically just waiting for the end and and here we are praying that it just comes quickly. And uh, that's not the first time that I've, I've sat by a, a deathbed. Um, as, as a preacher, as a minister, I've, I've 
more than once watched someone die and, and leave this world and enter the next. And as I sat there and, and we talked with Brother Jeff and we prayed with Brother Jeff and we just had some fellowship with Brother Jeff, I could not help but think that I, I wished every one of you could have been there. Not because it's not because it's fun, not because it's not because it's comfortable, but because it's something that is really important to see. Because it really does help put life in perspective. It really does help put our problems in perspective. It really does give us a clear view of, of, of what really matters and what doesn't. Here's, here's Sister Molly, such a lady, such a lady. She was so classy and, and she was intelligent and accomplished and yet humble and kind and, 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 and cancer is just squeezing the life out of her body as she lay there in that bed. And, and, and what mattered in those final moments, those final hours, those final days, guys, what mattered is, is that she's sitting, she's lying there and, and beside her is a husband who loved her. That's what matters. And, and beside her were friends who loved her and, and, and she had a family who loved her and a savior ready to receive her. And in that moment, it really didn't matter what kind of clothes she was wearing or the kind of restaurants that she ate at or, or how much money her husband made or the kind of car she drove or the vacations she went on or the followers she had on Instagram. I mean, all the things that people really, really care about and really, really think about. None of that mattered in those moments. The only thing that matters then are the things that really matter and those are the things that ought to matter more to us now. But we spent a couple hours there and, and, and talking and crying and praying. And uh, Brother Jeff uh, really carried the conversation. And, and, and we kind of relived a lot of their story and talked about how they met and got married and how they adopted the boys and the time they spent before that when he worked in Japan. And, and then got into uh, how the Lord directed them to, to Bible Baptist Church. That was the fall of 2020. Molly's cancer diagnosis followed not very long after. I believe it was spring 2021. We kind of talked through the different stages of her treatment. She had surgery, was in remission, then it came back, and then chemo, and, and then drug trials, and uh, out in Houston just trying everything they, they could to, to possibly attack that cancer and make her well. And Brother Jeff is scrolling through his phone and showing us pictures of the things they did together and the memories they made together even out in Houston and in her final months. And, and guys, here is a man who is about to lose the most precious person in his life. And you saw him. He was here on Thursday night. And obviously heartbroken and obviously tears being shed. And, 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 and at the same time, he's okay and he's praising the Lord and, and it's good to sit back and watch that, but we need to take the next step and ask ourselves, how does that work? And what I saw so vividly illustrated in spending that time with him Thursday evening, he came here early 
and uh, his his wife, Sister Molly, she passed away on Thursday. He said, "It's so glad I'm. It's Thursday. I need to be in church. I want to be surrounded." by my brothers and sisters in Christ. He came into the office and I sat with him as he called his boys and told them that their mom had gone to heaven. But, but the faith that enabled him to do those things and the faith that gave him the strength to just get up and go on this morning. Guys, it's real. It's real. God is real. You can't argue about that. These experiences provide solid, rock-solid evidence. Heaven is real. Our hope is real. The Bible is real. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is real. And Brother Jeff and Sister Molly, their testimony has proven the truth that's stated so often in Scripture. I've got four references there, but the statement over and over is, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. So how does that happen? How was Brother Jeff's faith, how was Sister Molly's faith so strong? And how can you and I develop that kind of trust in God? Because here's the thing. We think we need it when we face a crisis point in our lives. And that's true. And we do. And we will. And we can expect to face crisis points in our lives. But the fact is, if you don't already have that faith and already have that trust, you will be woefully unprepared for whatever it is that might be coming your way. You would better have that faith, that confidence, that hope, that trust before you hit the crisis point. So how can we learn to trust God? And five points from the Bible, from Brother Jeff's example. Very, very basic points, very powerful points, I believe. And the first is Scripture. Scripture. Turn to Proverbs 22. I'll quote Romans 17. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith and trust, obviously somewhat synonymous, and the source of our faith the origin of our faith, where our faith springs from, is obviously the truth of the Word of God. Look at Proverbs 22, verse number 19. That thy trust may be in the Lord, I have made known to thee this day, even to thee, have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge. God wrote something down so that we could learn how to trust him. You see that? Verse 19, that thy trust may be in the Lord. Verse number 20, I have written something to you. Verse number 21, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. Thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that sinned unto thee. A couple points in your outline. Trust is based on promises. Trust is based on promises. And trust is based on on truth. And if you're going to have a deep-seated hope and trust and confidence in the Lord, first and foremost, it is going to come through the time you spend in and with and around 
God's word. And that's why it's so important that we meet together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And it's why it's so important, guys, when you grow up and it's time for you to move from here, it's time for you to find a church to go to, you had better find a church where the Bible is preached and the Bible is taught and the Bible is emphasized and the scripture is the final authority. You had better find a Bible-focused, Bible-centered church to, to put yourself in and to put your family in because this is the way that we trust in God. And, 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 and you really ought, you've got to develop your habits now of not only being around the Bible when you come to church, you got to carry it home, you got to read it every day, you got to hide it in your heart, you've got to study it, you've got to saturate your soul with the Word of God that your trust might be in the Lord. We were talking, Brother Jeff, about how they come to, came to Bible Baptist churches, talking, uh, Bible Baptist church, talking about the churches that they had been to. They'd been in Calvary chapels. They had been in, I think, some Southern uh, Baptist churches. And what drew them here was not necessarily our, uh, just the youth ministries. It wasn't just pastors' sarcasm and pastors' humor, although that played a part. It wasn't, it wasn't really our conservative worship or our stance on the King James Bible. That really wasn't part of Brother Jeff's church experience prior uh, to here. But the most important thing in what he came back to was just a, a focus and an emphasis on the Word of God. Brother Jeff was telling me about how after they started uh, attending, he picked up one of those Bible reading planners that we put out at the end of every year where it has a chart that takes you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice and the book of Psalms several times and Proverbs every month. And he picked one of those up, 2021, and he, he, he got more serious than it had ever been about reading his Bible through systematically and, and, and getting all the way through and spending time in God's Word. And he said, I've stayed on that system ever since. And throughout the, the course of this trial, he really focused on the Psalms, but it was, it was that time in the Word of God, guys, that prepared him, prepared his wife for what they were about to face and enabled them to face it valiantly is the best word I can think of. Uh, with, with, with a faith and a hope that is that is strong and that is remained, it was all built on a foundation. Listen, uh, how are we going to trust the Lord if we don't know the promises that He made? If we don't know the truth, we, we we've got to be Bible uh, focused in our thinking. So, how do you learn to trust God? You you just saturate your soul with the Scripture. Then, number two. I think the word we want to use for point number two is, is will. Will. Read a couple passages, Isaiah chapter 12. This is a point we'll return to later on as we get into this series of lessons. Isaiah chapter number 12 and verse number one. What do I mean by will? I mean your personal choice. I mean a, a, a determined decision. You got to get in the Bible to find the promises to cling to, but then you you've got to decide to cling to those promises. You got to choose, choose to trust in God's word. It's it's up to you to to believe that the Lord is right, that the Lord is is always and only good. In Psalm twenty seven thirteen, we put that reference there. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land 
of living. Sometimes it's going to be hard to see that God is good. You're going to have to choose to see that God is good. Your will is involved in learning to trust in God. Isaiah 12, verse number 1, In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. I'm, I'm making the choice. This is what I am going to do. Though thou wast anger with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortedest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. You see that? Making the choice. It's what I'm going to do. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. In chapter 26 of Isaiah, Isaiah 26, in verse number 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. It's a commandment. It's, it, it's an instruction. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Moving quickly, point number three, prayer. I said basic, simple, but, but really important. Scripture, your will, and prayer. How am I going to learn to trust in God? Come to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Verse number 31. Luke 22, verse 31. Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Look, guys, you could, you could take Simon's name out of that verse and put your name in that verse and it would be true this morning. We often talk about God's will for your life, right? And uh, I need you to understand that the devil also has a will for your life. God desires to use you. God desires to bless you. God desires uh, for your life to bring him glory. And Satan desires to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Verse 32, words from Jesus to Peter, words from Jesus to us. Look at what it says. But I have prayed for thee. What was the prayer request? That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I remember the conversation that I had with Brother Jeff. I don't remember where it was, if we were on the phone or if it was at church, but it was at the point that Sister Molly's cancer had come back. She had had surgery. She was in remission, and uh, there were some concerns. She had some scans. The reports came back from the doctor, and the reports were not good, and And I'm talking to Brother Jeff, and obviously he's, he's requesting prayer, and obviously the prayer is for Molly's healing, but that's not the first thing that he asked for. His first request was that we would pray that their faith would be strong. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know what, Brother Jeff, Sister Molly, able to go through this trial and trust in God because it's what they asked us to pray for. It's what they wanted. 
And there was prayer invested in, and we did pray for Sister Molly's healing, and God chose to give her ultimate healing and take her home to be with him. And our prayers weren't answered the, 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 the way that we wanted them to be, but the prayer, what he said, I, I, I really want you to pray, and it was repeated over and over, pray that our faith would remain strong. And God honors that prayer. I believe God answered that prayer. Look at Luke 17. Luke 17. It's important to be in church and be in fellowship and have Christian friends and, and surround ourselves with people who will pray for us that way. Do you have friends that you can go to? Hey, pray for me. Pray that my faith will be strong. Will you pray that way for people you care about? But, but not just us for others, others for us, Luke 17 and verse number 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. We've got to learn to pray this for ourselves. God, help me to trust in you. How can I learn to trust God? Scripture, will, prayer. And then point number four, we've already mentioned fellowship. Come to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Fellowship. I have never seen, in all my life, I have never seen this passage, these principles so clearly illustrated as these past few weeks. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God, listen to this guys, the God of all comfort who comforteth us look at this in all our tribulation that is a big promise that God just made in the Bible I don't know what you've been through I don't know what you're going to go through but I know no matter what it has been no matter what it will be God ha God will have God does have the comfort that you need there is never anything you will face that God will not be able to comfort you in it he is the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our tribulations. Do you see that? Look at verse number four again. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. This is just how it works in a biblical local church. A family gets a report. A family faces a trial. A man, a woman, a boy or a girl, they're going through something in their lives. And, and in that same congregation is someone else who can come beside them and put their arm around them and honestly say, I know how you feel. I've been there myself. This is how God helped me. God can comfort anyone in any tribulation. And then God can take that one who has received that comfort and make them a channel of comfort and use them to comfort others who are coming right behind them into the same, into the same trial or situation. Verse 5, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. 
which is effectually enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer, whether we be comforted as for your consolation and salvation, our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Listen, the, the, the people in Corinth, they were going through it. They, 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 they were suffering for their faith in Christ. They were being persecuted. They were facing hardship. And Paul said, listen, that's what happened to me. <laughs> and God helped me, and he's going to help me help you, right? So, so bringing it back to, uh, to, to what we're talking about this morning, many of you have prayed for Brother Kevin Byer, his wife Shiloh, and their family, and uh, they uh, became very close with Rick and Box. They were both in Houston at the same time seeking treatment from uh, the same medical center, uh, MD Anderson Medical Center out there in Houston, and it was it was not very many weeks ago when Brother Kevin, missionary in Australia, sat by uh, his wife and prayed, God, either heal her or let her go home. And, and that was the prayer every morning for a number of days. And, 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 and Sister Shiloh, she went on to be with the Lord. Her funeral was, I think, maybe two weeks ago. And then just, 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 just a few short weeks later, here's Brother Jeff and facing the the same situation, but all the way along. Brother Jeff has been able to lean on Brother Kevin, and his Brother Kevin has received hope and comfort and help from God. He's been able to then pass those on. And I couldn't tell you how many times Brother Jeff has mentioned what a blessing Brother Byer has been and how God's used him to, to, to keep his faith strong and his trust in the Lord. It's like, it's like we're on the same cruel race and you're just about a half lap ahead but but listen this is how God works he he surrounds us with the people we need to get the comfort that we need and that's why it's so important to be in church and have good relationships in church and surround yourself with the fellowship that God can use to comfort you and teach you to trust in him and then the last point this morning come to Romans chapter 5 In James 1, you, you can't be perfect without patience. You can't have patience without trials. In Romans 5, there's this unavoidable progression. Verse number 3, not only so, but we, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given us. We want to bypass some of those steps. I mean, not naturally. We, we wish we could just go straight to the hope. But the hope comes from the experience. The experience comes from the patience. The patience only comes through tribulation. Point number five, how do I learn to trust in God? It's experience. You've got to be faced with situations where you have to trust the Lord in order to learn to trust the Lord. There are lessons about trusting God you will never learn until you face hardship, difficulty, trial, like we all do and we all will. In Psalm 
1830, the Bible says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. You've got to try it out. You've got to prove it. He is a buckler to them, a shield, protection, a guard. He is a buckler to them that put their trust in him. And listen, I, I, I am not standing here this morning to minimize the problems that you face at this stage in your life. They are, they're, they're real problems. I'm not discounting that. What I am saying is that you need to learn to trust God in those problems you're facing now because that is what is going to prepare you to trust God in the bigger problems that are coming down the road. Like teenage problems are real. Adult problems Honestly, guys, typically they're just bigger. And if you can't learn to trust God now, you are not preparing yourself for what you're going to have to face one day. Experience. You've, you, you've got to take what comes your way and trust God with it and let him use it to teach you something that will benefit you down the road. A lot of... There are some lessons that cannot be learned any other way. And there's some things about trusting God that you just have to experience for yourself. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to, as much as we can, take others' experience and incorporate it. Right? Learn as much as you can from somebody else. But then when, when you're the one going through the trial, the fire, the whatever it is. Trust the Lord, let him teach you. And then, and then those lessons will come back. You'll build on that. You'll use that down the road. So it is sweet to learn. And I'm glad I've learned to trust in Jesus. I'm glad that God's given me people in my life who have set an incredible example of trusting God. And the way that we can learn to trust the Lord is through the scripture, through a choice, through prayer, through fellowship, and through experience. And I hope that, that each of us will trust the Lord with all our hearts. We're not going to sing the song. I do want you to look at the words, the other side of your song sheet. This was on my heart as I prepared this lesson. It was playing before Sunday school this morning. These words are true. These words are powerful. Looking back, I can see your fingerprints upon my life, always seeking my best. There were times when your way would make no sense, but as you said, you have never left. Verse 2, looking in, I can see my frailty. My sin is great, and my strength is so small, and still you stay, and your mercy shelters me. You hold my hand, and you hear my call. Looking up, I can see your sympathy. I doubt myself, but I'm sure of your love. Lavish grace was poured out at Calvary, securing me. For our home above, you are always good. You are only good. You are always good to me. My eyes can't see. Help my heart believe. You are always only good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, uh, we do pray that you would comfort our brother, his family. Uh, God, I pray that you would just enfold them with your presence and, and your grace, your strength. Help us to learn to trust in you with all our heart. In all our ways, acknowledge you. Thank you for promising to direct our paths. We love you. In Jesus' name.